Hey guys, this is Mike and Paige. We are college sweethearts just living outside Nashville Music City. <laughs> we have four really great, awkwardly funny... There's nothing awkward about them. Amazing children. Uh, <laughs> we love podcasts and we love a good story, so we thought we'd put those two things together and tell our own via podcast. So thanks for joining us. This is Laugh So You Don't Cry. guys so we have a fourth baby that was born seven months ago and we had i had a hard time breastfeeding at start <laughs> in Listen, the beginning I was with you it was it. i mean emotionally we all had a hard time <laughs> but um all of my kids i guess when my milk comes in they're just like not a fan of the size to mouth ratio of <laughs> milk intake i don't know it's coming in too fast whatevs so for the most of my children I have pumped and then breastfed as they have grown and been able to have a better latch. Yeah. All of this to say, this is a lot of information for those of you who don't have kids or don't feed their kids through the boobs. Any of this. <laughs> but um, we were so exhausted. Let's start the story off by saying sleep deprivation absolutely played a, yeah. a integral role into the story. <laughs> we're going to give you a lot of grace right here. We're gonna, okay. We're going to I'm going to stack it up. I'm going to stack up this the story so it's like, yeah, I totally get now why Paige was the way she was. It makes for a good story, friends. It, <laughs> it actually was like one of the first things we were like, we have to tell our friends this one. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so one day we were laying on the couch in between feedings, and, and I, I was pumping exclusively, and we were bottle feeding our baby. Yeah. Now, to set the stage, there was a lot of tension, because anytime my child cried, Mike was like, oh, she needs a bottle. And I was like, if you feed her, I also have to pump that out. So let's not just give away breast milk <laughs> nilly-willy. <laughs> I was like, there's a reason that's liquid gold. You hold out on that bottle. And then... Like, it is now, it's it's a war, me against everyone in my family. Because even, like, my kids are now like, oh, mom, she's got to feed. I'm like, would you calm down? There well, could the be... baby cries are like, oh, she's hungry. Like, it... No, there's other options. Let's try all those options. There is. Uh, fire. If it has um, been only an hour since the baby ate, it could not possibly be hungry again. Fear of global warming. I mean, there's a lot of things that make a baby cry. I <laughs> will hurt you so bad. So. But I, so I was setting her up because every time, so this time. You know, I, I always went and gathered the breastfeeding, breast pump stuff and put it together for her and cleaned it out so that way I could do as much as I could without actually lactating. Right. And I had told Mike way before this that there was no, he was never to mention the word formula to me because that was not an option. And this is only something stupidly I put on myself. I'm not saying people who were formula fed were less than or you do you you do whatever makes you happy but i was bound and determined for um, those calories guys <laughs> the you? more that comes out the more i can put in exactly i was like i can eat more <laughs> so anyways there was a no formula talk in the house we were so sleep deprived and mike is doing a lot of that he would gather up all the supplies put them together bring them to me I would pump, he would take the supplies, go put them in bottles, bags, whatever needs to happen. He would organize everything. He, I will tell you, is a rock star dad. And he was doing all the right things. So here's the scene. So Paige is getting ready to produce the yield. 
Oh, he would also, she, every she time after that. I pumped, he would be like, what is the yield? What is the yield? I'm like, would you please stop talking about my milk this way? <laughs> how many how many jugs you got? I don't know. Um, Gross. So she's putting it all together. And, you know, there's lots of things that happen, like crack nipples, you know, like it, it, like things, you know, like. Your boobs are so sore. And so, like, I'm I'm concerned, you know, I'm like, so I'm always asking, like, hey. How them crack nips, you know, or like, Mm-mm. you know, is the suction turned? On? I don't know. It's like all the things, and I think I'm. I asked her a question, you know, and she goes, she just looks at me dead eyed, and she goes, "You put this on. You put this on. Put it on the breast pump, babe." And I was like, "No." And I, <laughs> I kind of chuckled. I thought she was joking. She goes, and I was like, "Put on the breast pump. Give Mike. me your nipple." And you know when the first name comes out, <laughs> you Give know. Give me your nipple and put on the breast pump. And I was like, no. He was like no. double downing even harder. And I was like, Mike, lift up your shirt and put on the breast pump. And she said to me, she goes, you need to know how this feels. Until you know how this feels, you don't get to say anything. You, there's no objectivity on that. And, I like, no. and I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Like, I, and, 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 then, and a long time ago, like. I put it on for a second with, I think, our second baby, our first baby. And it, it does. It hurts. So, like, I already knew. And I'm also like, where is this coming from? No, I'm not putting on the freaking sleep breast deprivation. Pump. Sure. Tired. Psychosis. Psychosis. Whatever, whatever it might be. And I was like, I have kept all four of your children alive through my boobs. The least you can do is put on the breast pump, Mike. So I knew that we were not joking. This was not a friendly, funny moment. This was a, okay. <laughs> this so page is a little crazy the, now. Lo- the line is now drawn <laughs> in blood on the ground. Um, and I, I, I'm, here's the thing is I, 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 I'm stubborn and I don't do what I Mike don't only do. knows how to double down. I don't. Yeah, I, 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 and it's really one of those things. Like if you dare me to do something and I say no, I'm probably going to fight you if you ask me. If you like double dog down. Because <laughs> I don't. I just double down on things. And so I'm very stubborn. Um, you didn't I'm, say that right. If I dare you, you more than likely will do it. Okay. It's when I buck you. Yeah. Like you're not moving. Yeah. That, there we go. There we go. So I, yeah, I was like, no. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it's, I, I know what it feels like. I'm not going to do it. And she got she got sincerely angry. I sure like, did, guys. <clears throat> like, I mean. And I all this was like we're post-counseling, during counseling. Yeah. So I'm trying real hard is, not th- to lose this my This is cool. six months ago. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm trying real hard not to lose my cool. And so I'm just like, you know what? You're trying real hard yeah, not I was to trying. lose your cool. Yes, that was me trying. That was you trying? <laughs> yes. And so I was like, okay. And I just like seethed in my anger. And she my- sat in the corner of the of the sectional couch and just sat there. And I was like, cool. Because you know what I can do better than you can? Seethe. <laughs> and so I actually, I didn't see that. I was like, okay, I have no problem. I, I'm just, I'm just saying, no, I'm not going to put on the breast pump. You're upset. I'm not upset. So I just sat down. On the couch next to her, like three seats away, and I was just we watched TV, and I sat on my phone and played while she was angry. Sure did. It didn't. I. How did it fizzle or resolve? Well, I, I'll tell you how it resolved is 
I didn't put on the breast pump. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> he he kept it on. And I think in the time I was like, I think I'm being ridiculous about this. But you know, like in the moment you think you're being ridiculous, but you're like, not going to admit to it. For yeah. sure. Not going to admit to it. Yeah. So but eventually I, I, I did. I won. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how that, that ended. <laughs> Well, guys, for, thanks for listening to that uh, difficult story. Okay. It wasn't that <laughs> difficult. Uh, so today, we wanted to talk about something that um, we have been dealing with for 10 years, um, probably even before we got married, too. Um, it's something I think, I mean, everybody deals with who is married or who ever plans on getting married, uh, and that is marriage misconceptions. Or just misconceptions in life in general. We all deal with them. We do, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, this is specifically This like, is about ours getting married. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we just wanted to really just kind of break that down and talk about how we have had so many misconceptions of what marriage should be like and all the crap that goes into it, too. Like, What did you think marriage was going to be like, just in general? In general? Yeah. I literally had no idea. Um, I didn't grow up with a mom and dad, so, like, I never got to see, like, a functioning, like, here's how dad operates, here's how mom operates, even, like, in an unhealthy and, and, and healthy, like... Well, I mean, you had two years with your adoptive parents before you got married. What what about then? Um, I mean, I did, I think, and I watched my sister and brother-in-law be married. Um, they have a great marriage. They do. I, I didn't really, honestly, I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, I Isn't just, it funny that you start paying attention to marriage like after you're married to other people's marriages? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. really paying attention other yeah. than like, oh, they, they're nice. But in the formative years, I didn't really pay attention. I, I think I I saw like, I knew that, <clears throat> okay, so I guess what I thought marriage was, I, I based it off what I knew. And what I knew is what I didn't have. I didn't have a present dad. Right. And I didn't have somebody who loved my mom. Mm. So I knew that I needed uh, to love my wife. Didn't know exactly what that meant. <laughs> uh, and I knew I had to be there. Right. Why did you want to be married? I didn't for the longest time. Okay. But eventually <laughs> you met me and you wanted to marry. Oh. Uh, honestly, solely because if I could spend the rest of my life with somebody. I wanted it to be you. And the and, and like the way to spend the rest of my life with somebody is to <laughs> either get them knocked mm. up <laughs> or marry them. Mm. I did all that. <laughs> <laughs> Got you knocked up after marriage. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, what did you think marriage was before you got married? My parents are like super into each other. Mm-hmm. So I knew that that was something. They're still married to this day. Um, I saw a lot of great marriages because people invested in me, uh, in the church as well. So I saw Mm. companionship, true partnership. Um, I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but I didn't know that, um, so my mom is an extreme extrovert like me, very, 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 very outgoing. And then my dad is very quiet, um, and in social settings, doesn't really talk to people unless he super knows them. So I, one time at Thanksgiving, I looked around and I saw 
all of my aunts, because I only have like biological aunts on my mom's side. And I looked at all of my aunts, and all of them are loud women. <laughs> and then I looked at all their husbands, and all of them are very quiet men. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want this. So um, I also went to a college Bible study, and the husband and his wife were both outgoing people. And I was like, oh, so it can exist. Like that's <laughs> that can happen. And fun fact, those are our pastor and his wife now. Oh, that's so, so funny. I didn't know that. Um, oh, I remember that now. Yeah. So I had decided that I wanted to marry someone who was like the um, superhero, not the sidekick. I wanted someone who was like outgoing and um, life at the party, and that we could have a party together. Yeah, um, and that's who I married. Yeah, like Mike real. is uh, equally as outgoing as me. He does like a whole lot more downtime than I do. Like I could have a social thing every night, uh, and we kind of do, but we have a lot more downtime too because of you. Um, what did I think marriage is going to be like? Uh, growing old with someone. I saw my parents literally grew all together. Um, I didn't really think about what the day-to-day would look like. Hmm. Um, my parents are very vocal in their arguments, so I just assumed that would, like, that's just what people did. Um, I knew that I wanted to have kids. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't really think. Uh, I knew that I wanted to raise them in a Christian home. I knew that I wanted to marry a Christian man. Um, like, I had a list of the. <laughs> It, friends gather round. <laughs> when you, <laughs> early two thousands Christianity youth group culture whatever, uh, it was big to make a list of like what you wanted in a spouse. Oh my gosh! And at your church, and ever like I think this was like a thing. No, we we studied the Bible. Okay, like, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I, like I, it was I everywhere. I, it was, in was, Christian I culture. That, that, and I think, yeah. honestly, like, I think God does honor that. Like, there, I I have a friend who, I have several friends that had did it and had married incredible Christian men. And anyways, all of that to say, um, I also had a list. But, like, I just wanted to know the person that I, um, I was not even going to allow myself to date someone unless I knew that they were Christian, like, within the first 10 minutes of knowing someone. Did you because kiss, I think. Did you, did you kiss dating goodbye? No. Well, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did, because I did it, because I told you about the hand holding with that one guy <laughs> and how it hurt my feelings so right. bad. Yeah. So, all of that to say, I I just wanted to marry someone that I was going to have fun with. Dang, Look, nailed did that! It. Nailed it! Boom! Out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today, yeah, we just wanted to talk about like a bunch of topics and like how how we thought marriage is going to be like based on like our families and our upbringing, Mm -hmm. based on like the culture around us uh, now and then, and then ultimately like based on the truth of scripture, like, Mm -hmm. and also just like the truth, (laughs) you know, of like things aren't movies, our marriages aren't our parents' marriages, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, you know, like um, sometimes we come from really broken homes with bad marriages and so it doesn't have to be that, but it also doesn't have to be this beautiful love story that some people have either too. So, yeah. So, um, gosh, what do you, <laughs> let's start this. with, let's start with arguing. Oh, okay. Cause, Cause I have a good like story. Four about. hours of us <laughs> talking right. about that. 
Well, so I grew up in a family that my parents, when they argued, it was very loud. Um, what? Even like between our siblings, like we were allowed to have full on huge yelling arguments with each other. Uh, there is hitting involved with certain siblings. Um, so I, conflict resolution was dealt in a, I tell you exactly how I feel the moment I feel it. I, <laughs> um, I'm allowed to yell at you. Um, and there's a lot of saying things that were below the belt. Mm. Um, one of, it's not funny, but it is funny now. Like one of my favorite childhood memories, which is like a traumatic memory of my mom and dad got really angry at each other. And it was, I remember like kneeling in our dining room floor, praying for my family, asking for my God to help wow. them stop arguing. And um, my mom and dad were running around the house with two liters, like <laughs> trying to hit each other with two liters. And then at some point they realized how ridiculous they were being and they stopped and like started laughing. Uh, but that was like typical night at our house. <laughs> What about uh, arguments at your family's house? I, I mean, I don't remember arguing. I remember like, um, <clears throat> you and your sister never argued. We did, but then my mom would tell her to knock it off. <laughs> leave my, well, leave, she's leave so your, much older than you. Leave your two. brother alone. Yeah, my sister's twelve years older than I am. So it's um, kind of inappropriate. <laughs> we, I mean, like, I kind of come from a family of like hard knocks, you know, in the sense of like, if it's hard, okay. Like you just push through it, mm-hmm. you get over it, like you work it, mm-hmm. you know, um, if it kills you, well, you're going to work it until it kills you kind of thing. Right. Um, and so like family didn't, we didn't argue. We got pissed at each other. Like we got mad at each other, but like it was and how never did that, like, like when your mom got mad at your grandma or vice versa or mm-hmm. something, like how did that, you know, it's unfortunate cause <clears throat> a lot, I like my family shut each other out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when my mom passed away, a lot of my family was mad because my sister had was handling things like the boss that she is, you know, and that it needs to be handled. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's so much that goes on when somebody passes away. Um, but everybody was mad at her because they were like, they didn't want they didn't want to face the fact that my mom had passed, and she was just trying to survive. And so, right. and, and also be busy, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, I remember it was like a couple of years before my grandma talked to my, my sister again. And like a lot of the family didn't talk to Misty for a long so time. They, so they, so they, they, like my family, they, they don't handle conflict. So when they feel things, they just shove that mess down. Yeah. And they like, they just, they get mad at each other and they don't talk about it, you know, like, and, and we're family, we're a family of processors, you know, like we process our feelings and then we. Either we do bring it up or we just act like it never happened. Right. You know, and I think that's what happened with my sister and my grandma, you know, and I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, But, you know, like, I don't remember, like, really arguing. I remember getting in trouble, but like. Did you ever see your adoptive parents, the buyers, argue? Yes. And arguing sounds like an unfair word to use (laughs) because. Because they're saints. No, because they... Um, they're saints. I'll say it. They're saints. No, I, I mean, yes, they are saints, but like they they were calm mm-hmm. with it, you know? 
and there was like a, uh, if it can't be settled right now, like we will we'll talk about it when we can, when it's more appropriate, you know? Um, but it was, it was like one of them would submit to the other. Yeah. And it was typically my mom submitting to my dad, like Robbie to Gary. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like a, yes, sir. But it was like a, okay. So w- when Mike and I were dating, I had a roommate. No, no, no. We were engaged at this point. Uh, and it was late in our engagement. Like, I think we had three months until we were getting married. I had a roommate, and she decided that she didn't want to be roommates anymore. And she was moving out um, and kind of left me high and dry with the with the apartment. So I decided to, like, stop being at that apartment um, and get it sublet, subleased, and I asked his parents if I could move in with them just for a couple of weeks while I try to find a new apartment for us to live in once we got married. So during that time, I mean, it's kind of funny, like, living with your in-laws, but also one of our best friends, Tat, was living there, too. Oh, yeah. And so it was really, honestly one of the better living situations I had. It was super great. Um, but while I was there, there was one time where Mike's parents got in, Mike's parents were painting or they were doing some, I think they were painting upstairs, one of the bedrooms upstairs. Mm. And your dad was bringing up a paint can and I just so happened to be in the kitchen at the time. Um, And he was bringing up a paint can from downstairs as he brought it up. Or maybe it was like, I don't know. I'm sorry. Maybe it was um, like on right to be carried downstairs to be put away. The paint can got knocked over or knocked out of someone's hand. And the next thing we all knew, paint was all over his floors that he had just put in, Mm -hmm. in the upstairs. And I, my first reaction was to flinch because in my house where I grew up, it would have been a yelling argument. It would have been a blame. It would have been uh, lots of calling back and forth and upsetness. And it would have gone on for a long time. And so unknowingly, I was like watching your parents to see what they would do while also flinching, yeah. ready for like the big argument. And like your dad laughed and then your mom laughed and they got some towels from the basement, some like dirty rag towels yeah. and they cleaned it up. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> We're not going to like have a throw down here. <laughs> like it was so foreign to me that that was how we were going to resolve that. Yeah. And I, um, which is crazy. And I, I fully believe that. But I, I mean, like, seeing our different backgrounds, um, we didn't, I mean, I don't remember talking to you about that before we got married. Like, oh, we had, when we got married, we argued every oh my gosh. day. We, we, I'm, I'm literally amazed we got married because we argued constantly. Mike and I both have strong opinions about, Everything. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) And and we just argued. Mm -hmm. Um, And I came from a family that, like, you're going to talk about the moment you feel it. And Mike probably felt like, why are you on my case all the time? Where it's like, what I'm feeling is what I'm feeling. It's mine. And I need to think about it. Why do I feel that way? And process process it. Mm -hmm. And which... We got, I mean, and then when we got married, because now... Now we're stuck. We're done. Now we're living together. So not only, like, I can't just leave and go home when there's an argument. 
you know. Oh, Mike emotionally is a big lever. Yeah, like I'm like, I'm screw this. Like I, I don't, I don't have to be around this, you know, kind of thing. Um, I'm a reformed door slammer, screamer. You're a ref, ref, define re- reformed. <laughs> Listen, compared to where I was, oh my year gosh, one, compared to compared to yeah. So we got so married, reformed. Okay, and like we would get in these arguments, and it would like blow up, and like Paige, Paige would be like. We're settling this now. Like, we need to talk about this now. Like, why? Like. Just dumb arguments. Just, not yeah, anything but like, important. It, it, needs to, it needs to be resolved. And I'm upset. And so I can't process it, right? Like, I can't just, like, talk about it. I need to go process it. Well, that was both of our crutches. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she, you know, always defaulted to, like, our, our counselor said, like, Anger or happiness or, or anger is what Paige mm-hmm. is always defaulted to. I'm like 98% happy. And then the 2% of anger is, it's bad. It's bad. It's not been a great part of our marriage. And, and I default to shutting down. Right. In an argument. So I would shut down. And then, so it was just really unhealthy. Um, and it took year. It took, I mean, like we're still learning. We're still working on a regular on it. basis. Um, marriage counseling has been really good for that, for our argument. It's for sure my sin issue. It's for sure my sin issue because I I feel like I can take it and take it and take it. And I am like genuinely okay. And like, I'm okay giving things over and I'm okay extending grace and whatever. And then like, um, so when Mike and I argue, we're like, going back and forth and Mike likes to say snide comments mm-hmm. and I will get it's louder. Like a mechanism for me. Right. And right. I will get louder. And so the louder I get, the more defense mechanisms and it's like this unhealthy fire mm-hmm. between the two of us and then it causes an explosion. Yeah. So we're still working on it. That is not something that is cleaned up in a pretty bow and like, good job yeah. guys. But I will say, I will give us a kudos in that like, I mean, let me tell you, there have been some like, <laughs> like, DEFCON level, like crazy arguing and like our kids have seen it. And so like we, I'll give us some kudos where like we thoroughly talk to our kids afterward and we're like, Hey, you know, mommy and daddy are sorry. Like we, mommy and daddy love each other. Mommy and daddy are just passionate. And you know, we also were, we weren't nice to each other. Like we don't try to explain it away. Like we are passionate. We are both stubborn, but I think sometimes like when people say that, they often also they're like, you know, well, he's just uh, he's just a strong-willed person. It's like no, that that that, that that's, that, that's, that's a cop out. Yeah, it's like, and no, that's yeah, sin. You, and yeah. You I'm sure it. I'm sure you can see it as strong-willed, but also that's sin. Like that's just you're. We being do a apologize to our kids yeah. when we argue in front of them, yeah. and I, there's been multiple occasions where we said, "Hey guys, like if you see mommy and daddy." Um, being angry at each other, the best thing you can do is pray for us right then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another. Oh, I did tell our kids one time, um, which, you know, kids, they're always like, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And we've made a conscious decision to fight in front of our kids, not like dirty fighting and, and like that's long gone. That's stuff that we yeah. have thrown away. But we want them to see us resolve it. Right. It's very good for our kids to see that. Like I told Zaya one time, she was upset and she was like, I just feel like you and dad are going to get a divorce. And I was like, Mommy and daddy will never divorce. One. Two, we fight in front of you on purpose. And she was like, Why would you do that? And I said, I want you to know when you get married, 
being married is really hard. It's very hard. And I want you to know that mommy and daddy's fight. And, and that's love, okay. And we love each other in spite of like right. in spite of that argument. Yes. And uh despite. Is it in spite? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was trying to explain to her, like, there are lots of mommies and daddies that don't fight in front of your kids. And if that's you guys, like, y'all do what God has convicted you to do. But I said, I don't want you to get married and then feel like you didn't know that this happens. Hmm. So anyways, I didn't, I didn't anticipate, I didn't really think about how to argue well in marriage. I definitely did what my family of origin did. Yeah. And we are picking up the pieces. And 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 I'll fully admit that sometimes when it's like, if I'm really mad, um, and I'm, and I'm going to, and I'm digging into my stubbornness and like, it's an argument that like, can be resolved, but like, it's just, I'm in, I'm in my sin. I'm in like the darkness of it. Like I know she'll go back to those family of origin roots. And so I will intentionally push her because I want to see her explode because I know that that means that's getting to her, which is the awfulness of my heart in, in, in that, in that moment. Like, mm. and now that I see myself doing, I'm able to catch that and be like, repent of it. And then like apologize for it. But also like see like, oh, like this is not, that's not fair. That's mm-hmm. not healthy. In know? the meantime, our counselors told us to come up with a code word when we <laughs> yeah. see that we're fighting unfair. Yeah. And the other day we were getting into an argument and like, I didn't even have the strength to say it loud. I was just like, Tawanda. <laughs> our code word, yeah. <laughs> All right, which is our code word. But anyway, Bonus points if you know what that's from. Is, uh, counseling is really good for that. Um Another really big topic. It was one of those underlying one ones, like, like you even said, like you didn't really think of the day to day. You thought about growing old. Mm-hmm. Is like day to day life, like scheduling, um, time spent. Like, what do you do when the kids go to bed? What do you do after the kids come from school? Or even like calendar. Mike would used to get so mad at me when he's like, "You didn't ask me about if we were going to do blah blah blah." And I was like, "Yes." I did. And Lots. sometimes I did not. Let's <laughs> yeah, say 80% right I did not. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Firm 80, sometimes. Well, here's the thing. Being married <laughs> to an extreme extrovert um, means that, like, if she has 10 friends and nine of those friends are like, hey, let's do something soon. On nine different nights. On nine different nights. That means I'm doing something nine different nights. And it's really hard to keep track of. 11 people's schedules right <laughs> and so it's like oh hey tomorrow night by the way we're hanging out with you know so and so and so and so and it's like i i'm really tired i don't want to do that like i was really looking forward to tomorrow to not do anything right. and so man that like and like that did not work <laughs> out well at first no. we have now discovered google calendar and yeah. we both have it on our phone uh-huh. and i do not make any plans without talking to my extreme not extrovert <laughs> extroverted husband <laughs> he's just an extrovert not an extreme extrovert um and so now i'm like it's on the calendar you're like did you ask me yes i asked you before we did it and it's on the calendar and what and what, it also eliminated that cop out of like, well, I don't want to go. Yeah. This is like, no, it, it's, it's already on there. On there. <laughs> and and one thing too, and this is this is a hard pill to swallow, is that like the minute you get married, 
your time is not your time anymore. Oh, that's so hard. Like it is definitely, and then and it gets even worse when you have kids because now your time is not your time. <laughs> like, and so like that was really hard for me. Like, because I liked I like a lot of downtime, and Paige does not. I don't. I don't see the value in downtime. It's not I see something nothing but value in downtime. Yeah, I don't understand. Uh, I did not understand why people needed quiet in their life. I still don't really need quiet in my life. Hmm. Uh, I do drive sometimes without uh, <laughs> anything playing. That's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had to realize like my my time is no longer my time. Um, I can still have my time. And that, that's, that has come through communication, which I think now, like literally 10 years in, now with four kids, we're getting much, much, much better at like, how do we plan our time? Like, how, how do we spend our time? And like, there'll be times that I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out. Right. I need to like, and there's nothing on the calendar tomorrow or tonight. I need to go see a movie by myself. And, and that's a sacrifice because that means Paige has to watch the kids and take care of the kids and. You know, that's two to but three hours. But I'm also hours. okay with that. Like, yeah. I I get that that's something that you need. Or also, like, I've discovered that if I let Mike, like, uh, the other day I went to um, play with the kids. There, There's a, a dam that blocks off water. Um, and I took the kids to go do that. And I know that if I go take the kids to do that, I more than likely will come home to a clean house. Like if Mike, <laughs> if Mike gets his alone time, he needs like an hour or so of it. And then he's like, mm, I'll be productive. Yeah. So I'm like, shoot, yeah. Like she was like, can you keep the baby? And I was like, yeah, the baby's going to sleep. So like she took the kids and I put the, and like I hung out with the baby for like 30 minutes, put her down for a nap. And I was like, it's all quiet in here. <laughs> and I was great. Like I sat in my chair and I watched a little TV and I played on my phone and I was like, I felt it rejuvenated me yeah. and, and it's a sacrifice. And then, you know, it's also a sacrifice when it's like next week we have six out of five out of seven nights that we're doing something with people. Okay. You know, like the house is going to be destroyed. Like it's going to be crazy. I'm going to be exhausted, but that's what my wife enjoys doing. And I enjoy it too. You, But also you really, yeah. You like it. You like our people that we see and we hang yeah. out with. I think a big part of th- that has been communication. Mm-hmm. Like, I need this. And yeah. Here, and here's why I need it. And we still, even with the calendar, we, <laughs> he will tell or ask no less than three times. So what do we have going on? Oh, and yeah. I still ask because I'm all the time. I'll look at it and it's like, I, and I'll just forget two seconds later. Yeah. Which is really funny. Um, I think a, a kind of an offshoot of this is like... Um, when you get married, like holidays mm, and holidays, like fam, like in-law family time, because mm-hmm. not everybody's the same. Like I- I've got friends who they live nowhere near any of their in-laws, and they'll see them once a year, you know. And you know they have to like one year we'll see my parents, next year we'll see your parents, or like you know they go on and off on holidays. And when we got married, so my um. First couple of years that we were married, we lived near Mike's adoptive parents. So we did Christmas with them. We did yeah. Thanksgiving with them. Um, all of those things. Because it's just too expensive to fly. Uh, and then when we moved here, I think we did one Christmas with 
My aunt lent. We did one Christmas because that's mm-hmm. when we went to Gallenberg as well. Oh, yeah. We did one Christmas um, in Cookville, about an hour away from where my family lives, uh, like where we live. And we did that one year. And then Mike was like, you know, it's Christmas. This is our family. This yeah. isn't anyone else's. Yeah. Um, what did you think that day to day? Well, you, like you said, you really didn't think about it, but like, did you ever envision, like, what did you do growing up? Like, did your family hang For out Christmas? with, like, yeah, and holidays, holidays and, like, in-law times? like Exactly what they still do today. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought we'd do exactly what we did <laughs> today. Well, I didn't, you know, growing up, I grew up in Christian culture, so it was always, like, dreaming about what your husband would be like. And I... You think it looked like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wanted to marry a guy that looked like he was in a band. I wanted to marry a guy that had good music taste. What kind of band? Like a Harry Styles kind of band? Yes, absolutely. NSYNC. Um, shaven chest. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I could still do that. <laughs> what? Glistening. <laughs> uh, I don't. You don't know this, but I was. Um, you're. We were putting away laundry today, and I started singing, "You're all I ever wanted," and the kids were like, "What are you singing?" And I was like, "Sit down, children." <laughs> Here's a lesson. And I pulled up, <laughs> I pulled it up, and then they started singing it. I was like, oh, yes, yes. My church is done. Yes. <laughs> Raise them up in the ways. <laughs> no, but uh, we've we've got into a good groove. We go to uh, my extended families for thanks- Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We stay home for Christmas. We Fourth of July, we go to my extended families. Easter, we do at our house. Whoever wants to join can can join, but we do it at our house. Yeah. So we got into a good groove, and there were arguments about that. Like when Mike said we he wanted to do Christmas at home, and I was like, "That's not what we do, Mike." <laughs> no, yeah, it was a, uh, and like, and I for me, like I've always really enjoyed um, Thanksgiving with my family in Michigan and the Fourth of July because they always do it really big. Um, but it's, I mean, like traveling for the 4th of July, like that's not a financial smart thing to do. And like even Thanksgiving, like, you know, a whole lot of time. And so it's, it's been a sacrifice, like in that sacrifice sounds bigger. It's just, you know, like the things that I did growing up, I don't get to do anymore. Mm. And that is, but we do get to have our own things now, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's fun to have, discover our own, our own family traditions and what we like. we're still figuring them out, you know. But it was a it was a good fight or two about what are we gonna do for certain holidays. So the next topic is a big in. <laughs> it's a big in. I was I mean, wondering where you're going with like that. Like I've literally had like uh, my counselors told me like, um, this is one of the main reasons that people do split up, get divorced, and like, it's one of the biggest ways that there's just it's just a big contention issue, and that's money. Our um, biggest fight just for here recently was over yeah, money. We had a huge fight about money. Um, I thought, like, well, growing up, I didn't really have a lot of money. And so it was never like a, um, I didn't see my family function, like, in a way of, like, a budget. I don't remember, you know, like, nobody ever taught me that. My family didn't budget either. Yeah. I took, you know, hello, welcome to the South. Uh, we had a class in, (laughs) in high school and it was called banking. It was the first year they offered that class. The only reason I took that class was because it, it was the only elective offered during the time slot of all the other schedules that I wanted. Um, 
But I'm so glad, like that was like a life-changing class that I took. But of course, hello, welcome to the South. We (laughs) had a Dave Ramsey course that was like (laughs) the curriculum for it. Uh, And we talked about budgeting well. And that was the first time that I really knew how to budget or talk about budget. Uh, And we had a guy who had an accounting degree. I forget what else he taught, but maybe math or something. And he was also the soccer coach, but he talked a lot about, um, you know, Dave Ramsey and the principals. And that's what we learned. So fast forward to college. Growing up, I had my mom's debit card. But when I got to college, (laughs) she promptly took that away from me. And that's when I learned Hey, when you have $3 in your bank account, you have $3 in your bank account. <laughs> and um, as excessive in spending I was prior to college, I became a penny pincher because uh, I was just like, I now understand that what no money means. Like when you have no money, you have no money. Oh, man. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I was, I'm still very bad with money. I'm getting better. We're getting um, there. You're getting me there. Um, no, I was so, I yeah, I'm so awful. The worst. Like, I, I worked since I was 13. Um, had nothing to show for it. My first truck was $200. And my sister saved up like $2,500 for college for me, which is not a lot. But also at that time in our life, it was a ton of money. And so um, I graduated, and she gave me access to that bank account. She's done smarter things. Um, <laughs> and so I spent that in that summer. Um, oh, man. Living that life. <laughs> um, I, before, you- before I met Paige, before I went to college, so I went to college late in life, uh, I worked for a, a trucking company uh, as a forklift operator. And I was on a travel team, so I would travel to, like, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Ohio, um, and fix things. And uh, I got paid great, great money. More money than I'm actually, but per hour, probably making now while I traveled. And I did my taxes, and I remember telling my brother-in-law, I was so mad because, like, they took out so much taxes, I didn't get really any of it back. And he was like, how much did you make? And I was like... I made like 44000 this year, and they took That's out... That's not more than you make now, I know, Mike. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I know, but like, he, he, his jaw was just down. He goes... And you have no money? He goes, that's almost what I make. You have no mortgage, and you have no wife and no, no kids. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I have all those things. What are you spending he's your like, money on? And he's like, what do you have to show for it? And I said nothing i'm in debt <laughs> like and it didn't even click then like i i i'm i was i was awful with money so i thought that like well one because i everybody i knew that was married besides my sister and brother-in-law like they were like my age they had they had their own money hmm. like they didn't share they didn't share accounts with their their wives and so i never thought we'd share finances. I will say, and I've, I said this to a friend the other day and it made me laugh. My favorite part of being separated, granted, there are so many awful things. So I'm like grasping at straws here, <laughs> like <laughs> options of favorite things. But my favorite thing was that I had sole access to our bank account. Mm-hmm. 
Like, mm-hmm. that was amazing. Because you know what? When I swiped, I knew exactly what was ha- going to happen. <laughs> and, like, I knew exactly how much. I had a running tally always of how much was in our bank account. Yep. That was nice. Yeah. It was a good time. <laughs> it was, it was camp good times. It was, it was camp good times. Uh, that was the only good time in my life. <laughs> that time. It's really funny because I when, when we got married and I was like, hells yeah, y'all. Two incomes? We're going to be rolling in it. <laughs> We weren't. No, and we were young. And, I, you know, that was kind of some of my favorite times. Like, we were young and in love, and we had our love to keep us company. We did. We did. <laughs> that, like that, that love filled that gas tank up so many times. Stop it. <laughs> we, yeah, had crap jobs doing stupid work, and we, used to we take were these figuring it out. Random road trips to Seattle. Uh, and it was like, okay, we have, we have $40. dollars $60 yeah. to get us there and back. And let's figure that out. Let's just do it. And we did it. We did it so many times. It was awesome. I mean, like, ran out of gas one time on the on the pass. It was <laughs> the Snoqualmie pass. And um, but yeah, I mean, like, it was great. Um, yeah. So money really became an issue when we started having like actual real jobs because for a long time it was like. We can't even fight about money because there's no money to fight about. Yeah, there was not, it was like, <laughs> if it doesn't exist, if it doesn't always, exist, you can't fight about right. it. Right. <laughs> uh, people always say that you either fight about sex or money. And like we were like, well, we don't have money, so <laughs> that's not the option. But we have figured out how to do it. The first time we paid off all of our debt, we did it while Mike was making $9 an hour and I was a stay-at-home mom. Dude, I was, I was so impressed with us. When... When that happened, I was like, man, we're killing it. We can do anything. <laughs> uh, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm, I, I've never grasped the concept of, of finances. Like, I, I literally have to, like, have it in front of me, like, the entire, like a, like a carrot on a stick, like a horse to a horse, like, to uh, be able to fully. I grew up in a family that my parents made good money, but we also did a lot of, we always had cars and we always had vacations and we did a lot. So I guess saving wasn't a priority or something. I don't know. Anyways, so that I never saw my mom sit down with a budget binder and like do their budget. Um, I think our kids are going to be like, what's your biggest memory of your mom? She was always doing the budget. I mean, <laughs> and here's the thing for me, for sure to my detriment, I, money in the account means security to me Mm. and I, I have to give that over to the Lord often. I have to tell him, remind myself, um, and put my heart in place of like, you are my security. This money in my bank account is not going to keep me safe or take care of me when X, Y, Z happens. It is you. You give the finances and you take away my finances and I will honor you with them. Um, When Mike and I started dating, well, there is a whole episode that we're going to talk about this, but real quick, when Mike and I started dating, he didn't tithe. (laughs) And... uh, I I mean, I think we were a week into dating or something. I was like, I have never heard anything more unattractive in my entire life. I'll explain myself later. <laughs> this makes me sound so bad. How quickly did you tithe, like, right after that? I think, I'm, honestly, I think I told you that I tithed for, like, <gasps> a, for like a month. No. And I think I tithed, like, a little bit 
You like $5 tither? Listen, that was like 5%. Listen, the Lord knows your heart. It's it's about you and the Lord. Now I'm all about it. Now it's like my favorite thing to do. You know, one of my favorite parts about being married to Mike is watching just the, like having front seat access to what the Lord's doing in his life and just seeing how God is just changing and growing and Mm. it's so incredible but one of my favorite things is that mike used to be very stingy and now he's very giving with his money and we kind of have an agreement between ourselves that like if there's ever an option to give we always like it's an automatic yes from both of us (laughs) and so this week i was like hey i'm really sorry i didn't talk to you ahead of time but i just offered to x y and z um money and he was like yeah absolutely absolutely and it's been so cool when i see mike do that there's been so many times he's like hey i bought groceries for someone i'm like yeah you did good on ya i like spending money <laughs> so it's about giving or spending money why yes. can't it be both <laughs> oh my gosh why can't it be both Listen, it's like who's gonna be mad at the guy who's who's broke, but all his gave all his money away, you know? Uh, Francis Chan talked about that. Like, if that's how I meet God by giving away my last dollar to someone who needs it, and I starve, what a great way to meet the Lord. Well, if Francis Chan said it, then I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I'm uh, good to go. For me, honestly, though, uh, in full transparency, I'm just like I'm. We have the money talk on a regular basis because I, Paige has finagled like i i make money and i'm good at that i'm not good at handling it um but Paige has literally saved like has we have been out of debt multiple times and i have gotten us back into it um and you know i mean not not just me but like it's i'm i'm definitely the biggest contender there and i'm i am praying through it and i am realizing it now like the long-term implications that it has we this big argument that we just had uh we if you know how sometimes you have arguments and you say things and you're like man i wish i could have said that 10 years ago and that would have changed the course of our lives maybe but i said like do you want to be like this family example or do you want to be like this family example do you want to never have money or do you want to have a legacy that you can pass on to your family and an inheritance to pass mm, on to your family. Yeah. And for some reason, it just clicked. Mm. And when we went over the bill binder this Friday, because I'm every Friday, you will see me with my pink bill binder. <laughs> <laughs> we went over our bills this Friday. It like clicked like, okay, so when you say this is how much money we have, this is how much money we have. And I'm like, yeah, because it's going to X, Y, and Z instead. So don't you want... These goals, too, being on the same financial goals has been very hard in our marriage. Yeah, it really In has. the past couple of years. Before, we didn't have <laughs> we didn't have money to fight about. And I think, like, again, it comes back down to communication. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, like, there have been times where Paige is like, listen, if you don't want to have a single dime in the savings account and you want to every week, like, live paycheck to paycheck, like, where, well, it's Thursday night. We're at zero. It'll get filled up tomorrow when you get paid. I'm like, okay, we can do that. I just, I want to know because I want to be on the same page with it. It's going to be awful. It's going to be dumb to do that. But if that's what you want to do, let's do that. Yeah, there's like this passive agreement that kept happening of like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And then like we, meaning you, never did that. 
<laughs> well, I, I, I struggle with treating myself. Like, I work hard, so I deserve X, Y, Z, which just screams pride and, like, selfishness and, like, not caring about my wife or my kids or other people. Because, like, mm-hmm. the reality is, like, that money that I'm spending on myself could be used to help somebody else could be used to be put in the bank for when you get a flat tire again in your van that happens so often. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, I'm learning. I'm getting there. You're getting there. Yeah. I'm yeah. There's so much grace and, and I, I have never expected either one of us to be perfect because it is really not an obtainable goal. We all have faults. Very my, true. My aggression. <laughs> um, today we just had a conversation uh, it's actually a really good one. Like, we didn't get into an argument, and I was kind of surprised about it. Uh, we talked about what it looks like to run a home. So I grew up in a family where my moms did not value being domestic at all. And she will even tell you to this day, she says, I will pay someone to be domestic for me. Mm-hmm. She wanted, she had a great career, um, and she, I mean, boss babe got stuff done. And... In her career, she made really great money. So she was like, I'd much rather. And I kind of get it. Like, sure. if I make $100 an hour, $60 an hour, whatever, I don't know what she made. And I can work one hour and pay someone to clean my house, then I'm, I'm going to work one extra hour. Yeah. You know? So she didn't love to clean. We did not. I think my mom has a rotation of five meals that she cooks, and I would have one a month. You know, and then we ate out all the time growing Meat, up. Meatloaf, the chicken and rice. Mm-hmm. With the we don't have to go through them, but yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, wondering if I, I'm wondering if I've had all five. Oh, you've had all five. <laughs> so growing up, uh, I didn't know how to cook. Still don't. Um, I knew how to do laundry because it was at some point it became my turn to do laundry. Um, I... For sure had no idea how to clean. Guys, I learned how to clean during quarantine. Like, I started following Go Clean Co. on Instagram. Please go follow them. It's been amazing, you guys. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> learned how to actually clean things. Um, and so I didn't grow up in a domestic home. Like, that just was not a value that my mom had. Um, where were we going with this? So Mike has had frustrations with roles that we thought that I would fill, he would, he thought I would fill. Well, and I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, yeah, again, it was a, it was a, you know, misconception fully, you know, uh, I grew up in like, we lived in some really ghetto places, but my mom kept a clean house. Um, I don't ever remember my house being dirty. Like it may have been like falling apart, <laughs> you know, but like, it wasn't a dirty place, mm-hmm. you know? And like my mom cooked, she cooked some things like, you know, she wasn't a ton of things. Um, no, I've heard a lot of people talk about grandma Sheila's cooking and how it was great. Um, but I'm, I mean, I was young and you know, she died when I was 12. So it's our 13. So it's like, it's hard to remember a lot of those things. And she was sick for a lot of it. So um, I remember eating out a lot cause we had money at, at some point. Um, but yeah, like, and I didn't grow up with a dad, so there was never this, like, there was never these roles of, like, here's what the man does, here's what the woman does. But we all kind of know because of, like, yeah. TV yeah, or whatever, like, the, for sure. the 
gender roles. And I think a lot of people in our age group are realizing like that just isn't working. So for a lot of time, like a lot of our marriage, there was this frustration of I want Paige to do this. And I would try to cook and I would make meals that were gross. And Mike would be like, no. Paige (laughs) Paige loves using the crock pot because it's easy, which awesome. Um, She used to make this really good. So, I mean, like literally it's probably the easiest thing in the world. It's a vegetable soup. Um, Mike put sugar in it one time. I, and I did. I, I can't I put, eat it I put, anymore. And, and now she can't ever eat it. I still love it. I, without, no, now without, without the sugar. But anyway, she won't eat it now, which is frustrating because it's so good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and you know, she didn't. She wasn't raised in a home that taught her those things. And so, and and our minds work differently in running the house. Like, like Mike I'm, can. We've talked about this. He can bippity boppity boop clean. So quick. Yeah. And I can spend this, like, I can spend two hours doing a task. He can, I'm not exaggerating, do in 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, how did you do that? Yeah. But Mike also surface cleans. Yeah. Whereas I, like, when she, I'm, I'm when I'm cleaning, I'm going to be deep cleaning. Yeah, she's, she's. And he likes to shove on. things into corners where I put things away. I uh, consolidate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also. Don't consolidate as I go. Neither do you, though. You're really like when you make yourself lunch, there's wrappers all over the counter, and then you come eat your food, and then you'll go back to clean it, but yeah. you don't like clean as you go. No, yeah, no, not at all. I'm not, we're both not clean as we're goers, not at all. It's like a uh, look around and be like, this, everything's destroyed. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get up and do it. Like today, we did that for what, like 30 Two minutes? Hours. See, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was done after thirty minutes, and she was still going for two hours. Uh, but that was a frustration because, like, I'm, I gosh, how many times it was like, "Can you help me clean a little more?" And she's like, "Mike is really upset if he starts cleaning and I don't start." Or sometimes then... until, until we communicate. If mm-hmm. if I communicate, I just, I just want to clean. I don't want. I don't care if you clean right now. Like mm-hmm. there's those that communication, but for a long time it was like, "Hey, read the I'm room." Cle- like, yeah. Guess what, guys? I will never be able to read a room. No, never. It's awful. Never. Please don't ever ask me to read a room. I always tell people, like, literally, I started a new job and I was like, "Hey, friends, um, I don't understand passive aggressiveness. So please, if you would like to tell me something, could you tell me? Because I'm never going to be able to pick up on a hint that you might be upset with me. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I did not learn that. Please just tell me. <laughs> um, like we would get in these arguments about cleaning the house and I'd be like, she's, she'd be like, give me a list of things you want me to do. And I'm like, you don't need a list. Like literally you're in a room. Look around you. Guess who gets listeners, y'all? Things are out of place. Like, put them in place. You know, like, there's dishes in the sink. Do the dishes. Like, in like, she's like, no, I, 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 I she just, she doesn't see things like that. She doesn't walk into the room and see those I things. I will say, through counseling, as I emotionally opened up my eyes to a lot of things going on in life, I also somehow physically, like it did have a physical Mm -hmm. uh, ramification where I understood and saw a lot more going on around our house too. Yeah. You're way more observant now, which I don't know what you were doing beforehand. Head in the clouds, (laughs) For real. Just constantly like a a rolling gif of like a unicorn jumping over a rainbow, 
eating a that pop tart. Sounds so good. <laughs> but we just had the conversation today because, you know, like, you know, I and and here's one of the things like my counselor talked to me about is he asked me once like, do you feel taken care of? And I said, I don't know what it looks like for me to be taken care of. And he's like, does Paige know that? And I said, no. And he's like, well, then she's shooting in the dark. She's trying to take care of you without any communication on your part. And she's just trying to see whatever sticks or whatever makes a difference. So you need to communicate. Thank you, Aaron. you need to communicate to her what makes you feel taken care of. And I think that's one thing that's a huge marriage misconception is that we assume that our, our spouse is just going to fill all these spots and like or like the i just want him to know xyz well he ain't jesus friend girlfriend he is not jesus and you are setting him up for failure like i just want him to know (laughs) that i need love and affection right now sorry he's not gonna know it and it sucks like there's even times where i tell mike like i don't want to have to tell you that this is what i need from you Mm -hmm. i want you to just know that and it sucks. And wouldn't it be so romantic? And wouldn't it be a perfect story if he just knew and he came in and swept the, you know, swept you off your feet? But that's not real. Yeah. And like the 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 love the goodness comes when you express those feelings and they consistently meet those those needs that you have. That's the fairy tale. The fairy tale is you communicating what mm-hmm. you need and your your spouse coming bes- along beside you and filling those constantly because they are they hear what you said, value you enough to get out of their comfort zone and mm-hmm. come and help. And you're not going to get the ladder until you communicate it. Right. And come like on. so and so today I told Paige I was like you know cuz honestly we have four kids under the age of 7. We're in survival mode. Always. Always. I mean, it's a fun survival. It is. It is. It is. You know, but like, I think maybe we make, we actually cook a dinner. Guys, I hate to cook. Once a night, once a week. Mm -hmm. And the kids eat a lot of fruit. My kids eat very healthy. (laughs) They eat a lot of fruit and a lot of veggies and also a lot of ramen. (laughs) Memphis loves ramen for some reason. Um, But like today I was like, hey. It would make me feel more taken care of if t- two nights a week you cook something. Um, two weeks ago, you said one night a week. I did. Granted, I, I, I did game. not. I did not do it. So, <laughs> that's, that's, so I'm that's, raising the bar. That's me, baby. <laughs> um, but that's the thing is, and then today she was making a shopping, and she goes, "Okay, for me to do that, here's what I need from you. I need you to make it an opportunity for me to do that. So quit buying food that like because because what I'll do is I'll just be like, well." She's not going to make dinner. We're in survival mode, so I'm just going to make things that I can make real easy. He's blowing our grocery budget on stupid stuff. I am. Um, and so she was like, don't do that. Let me do it. And tonight she she sat down with this like meal planning thing that she had, and she used it. And like because I communicated, now and then she's responding to it. And so I think like a bit, like honestly, it's communication. It's big. Yeah. Super big on that. The follow through. <laughs> now it's my job to actually follow through with making those meals, guys. And then, and then when she, and if and when she doesn't, it's like, hey, then communicate that. Like me, man, ten years ago, Mike would have been like, oh, she didn't follow through. 
and I, oh man, I used to do this when we, <laughs> when we were first married, if, when that stuff didn't happen, I would just shut up about it and I would get bitter. And then like, I remember I would post on Instagram a picture of my lunch at work and it was like this just nasty lunch that was like thrown together. And it was like, it was me. <laughs> it's so funny you said that about at work because it was me passive aggressively being upset. I did not know that until right now. Until right now. This is, I was like, why does he post his gross lunch? That's so gross. And I would comment on it like, babe, this is so gross. Right? Right? And uh, it was like, maybe it wouldn't be gross if somebody would make, make a jokes meal. Jokes on you. I know. Jokes on <laughs> you. Ten years, years later. She's like, so I never even knew it. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> it still hurts. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> I know what I was saying. Ah, you were trying to get at me and I didn't know. <laughs> Listen. I'm kind of not sorry about that. You should have opened up your mouth and told me. <laughs> Guys, if you see on my Instagram this upcoming week a picture of my nasty lunch, know that I did open up about it. Okay, okay. Um, let me succeed before. I'm going to let you succeed. I encourage you to succeed. Um, raising kids. I knew, so Mike and I met while he was doing children's ministry at uh, the church we were at. So Guys, I knew that you want to find a lady, do children's ministry. That's truth. That is so true. Solid, solid advice right there. If you're a single man, please go volunteer at a church. I didn't do it to find a woman. I did it because I was really good at it and it was fun. Um, but I knew that Mike was going to be a good dad. That wasn't a question. I knew I originally wanted three kids. Um, you said eight. I originally, growing up, I oh, growing up, okay. wanted three kids. And then when we went to Moody Bible Institute, there is a pastor there who was an, or I'm sorry, a teacher there who was an aviation instructor. And he had eight kids, I think, a large family. And he told me that, Lord willing, your children are the only things that you get to take with you into heaven. And then I was like, sold hook, line, and sinker. I wanted eight kids. Oh. Hook, line, and sinker. Hate that teacher. <laughs> but also, we wouldn't have had some of our children if we didn't listen to him. Um, I, I, children are the best thing that ever have ever happened to me. I was telling Mike a couple of days ago, the... When I became a mom, I went through a really hard time of just dying to yourself because, like, your life is no longer yours, and you are always on, always pouring your life out onto every, everyone else for everyone else. Hmm. I said that dying to myself was very, very difficult, but the more I press into it, the genuinely happier I am. The happier I am to just be okay not having this life be about me. Hmm. And I have never experienced joy like I'm experiencing now by just giving my life away to the Lord and however he sees fit and doing exactly what he desires and 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 being there for my kids and and taking care of them first before myself and taking care of Mike before myself. And I'm not saying this in like a look at me, I'm great. You are great. You know. No, but I'm not saying that from that 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 perspective. I'm saying it as like, gosh, when we walk in the way that the Lord has intended, there is a there's a joy that I didn't even understand was possible 
And I thought I was already a joyful person. Hmm. So growing up, did did you want like, did you want to have kids growing up? Yeah, I absolutely wanted to be a mom. It was like not even a question. Hmm. I absolutely wanted to be a mom. I wanted three kids. I wanted girl, boy, girl. <laughs> That's so funny. I wanted to start dating someone at 21 get married oh, that's at 23 right. <laughs> like oh my gosh. it's kind of unreal oh. the things that i wanted actually happened um and then we had an extra <laughs> and then we had an extra kid <laughs> and i also want more <laughs> she does she's pushing on me uh, well <laughs> in more ways than one um, okay gross listen, my sister that's what makes you not a good storyteller mike <laughs> my sister-in-law told me today she's like I think you're both good storytellers. Paige, you just, you don't use innuendos like Mike does. And she I was says, like, so I think you're a goes, better storyteller. She goes, she goes, it makes it really awkward. And I was like, So it pulls though? up. Does it make it awkward <laughs> with Mike's innuendos? <laughs> comment vote, comment yes. below. <laughs> um, I. What about you? Did you want kids? No. It's a hard no. Once we started dating, did you want kids? No. No, I yes, never. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I wouldn't have dated you. Yes, you did. I would not have dated you. We talked about kids. You wanted kids. I know. I probably told you that to marry you. Oh, wow. I was, yeah, I was adamant against it. Um, you weren't adamant against it when we started having kids. No. no. So what changed? changed? We went to Red Bench Bible Church and they had a thousand kids. <laughs> no, um... I mean, in, in full transparency, I was terrified of being a dad. Hmm. Um, I, I, I struggled for a long time of being like, even in my addiction, um, in a lot of my like life choices before Jesus. And then even some some of them after Jesus, um, that I was like father, like son, hmm. <laughs> you know, um, uh, my dad abandoned us when he, when I was five months old. And so. Um, I assumed because I did so many things like he did, hmm. um, that I was going to do that too. And instead of making, instead of deciding to, to not, to not do that and not change that and not break that cycle, I just said, I'm not going to give myself the chance to ruin a, a kid or two's life. Um, and I didn't know what it was like to be, have a dad around. So I was... Why do you think you're as great of a dad as you are? See, it's I, I, I think I'm an okay dad. No. Because, I mean, like, there's so many things, like, I lose my temper with my kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like. Who, out of all of our kids, who are their favorite? Out of me and you. Me. Yep. <laughs> Like, like, guys, it's not even like a, it's not even a question. It's a quick answer from all of our kids. <laughs> it's dad. And why is that? I don't know. Because you have so much fun with them. You love them big. You love them loud. And you come home all is right in the world man, let me for tell our you. kids. Um, now that I have kids. Also, I'm your biggest hype man. I for sure would like to say that most of our children loving you is because of your actions, but a part of it is because I am your biggest hype man. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's very true. Daddy. I'll, Daddy. I'll, I'll, I'll hear that so much. Um, now that I, so that was my biggest fear 
is I didn't want to mm. let another kid felt what I felt growing up. And now that I have kids, that that is still my same prerogative. But the other way. But the other way. And it's uh like I, I thought that I just like I don't know, I, I just always assumed that I would something would happen and I'd abandon my kids or I would not be good enough for them and I would just leave them or you know, like I would fail them or hurt them and I just didn't want to even chance it, you know. Um So Mike and, loves them in a loud, boisterous, all encompassing, snuggy way. And I do that too, but also I'm more the disciplinarian out of the two of us. Mike has his fair share, but it's me. I have that dad one though, where I'm like, yeah. I'll you, look at he him. has like the final word, dad. Um, I love my children through constantly teaching them. Yeah. Um, which is kind of my favorite part of parenting. Uh, the they're my little disciples that I get to. Especially Memphis right now. Have I mean, life lessons. If. 56,000 questions. And he'd be like, hey, he'd be like, hey, why does God make worms? Is that a good question? Like he, every question he asks, he follows up with, is that a good question? question? Or no, sometimes it's before it even starts. Is this a good question? question? Why does, why does Satan against us? Oh man. That is a good question. (laughs) And let me tell you, uh, for the teachers who were in his Sunday school. I'm sorry. And also enjoy. No, but he, Whatever you're saying to him, he's bringing home and he's being like, today I learned about this guy and he was mad at these people. So he <laughs> ran because God told him to go t- to go talk to him. And he was like, no. So he got on a ship and then he got swallowed by a big fish. Listen, <laughs> and, I'm telling you, the Martins like, and he's are like, killing he's like, it. He's like, he's a five-year-old who just retains everything. And then he comes home and he's like, why did that man run away? when God told him to go do it. And it's like, bam, this is great. This is like, so anyway. Good job, she, Sunday school teachers. Paige, the Martins are killing it. Paige is the teacher fully, um, which is great. Um, it's really, really cool to watch your kids have a growing faith. It's my favorite part of parenting. It really is amazing. Um, I connect with my kids on an emotional level. Yeah, um, our kids will have fits, and I'm like, I don't even know what to, to do, like, Zayl will say, you're hurting my feelings. And I'm like, okay, Mike, you're up. Like, I'm tagging out on this one. And, you know, it's... um I do do it if Mike's not home. <laughs> she does. She does. And I also, when he's home sometimes. But I'll tell you what. Um, I wish, growing up, that when I was sad and hurting, that somebody would have snuggled me and wrapped mm. their hands around me and been like... That's going to make me cry. <laughs> I never had that. Yeah. Like, and I don't remember my my mom doing it, and it's not because she didn't do it. It's because life was really hard growing up, and I think I blocked a lot of that stuff out. Right. But I do remember craving a man to comfort me and guide me, mm-hmm. and like it is such a every time is a treasure. Mm-hmm. Like today, Zay was upset, and like I went to her and like I wrapped my arms around her at first against her will because she was like, no, 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 no. And it, it's like, just to let her know. I mean, it's so amazing what our presence yeah, alone just our presence. can do. And yeah. Anyway. I have a child that um, it's really hard for me to connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, she didn't prefer me 
for a long time, she didn't even want to be held by me. For a long time, she didn't want to be around me. And that was really hard. It was really hard to have given birth to this child and she doesn't want to be mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has recently come to light. But I remember very clearly praying about it. And I was just like, maybe we're just destined for her not to be close to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember clearly God saying to me, you cannot feel that way. And you can't proceed on that path. Because you, then you're putting distance between you guys on purpose. Yeah. Even if, you know, she she's little. She doesn't know what she's doing. But you cannot do that. And I'll say here lately, she has been so sweet to me. And mm-hmm. she's, like, been loving on me more. And it's not fair. I'm not trying to put anything on her. She's little. Um, and I can't hold a two-year-old to that standard. Um, but yeah, as a mother, that was a really hard journey to walk through and it was how hard, to hard watching you go through that. And it's just our two personalities are, she's, she's, we have a very exuberant family family and she's not as outgoing as the rest of us. And so <laughs> I was like, I don't, how do I connect to a child that's not, I'll be honest, I don't sometimes know. we'd be like, she's just our jerk. Yeah. Our jerk kid. We actually say a-hole because she's really a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but it's been really, like, it's been very sweet in the past couple of months watching her um, kind of just, like, wake up and, and own her own personality and, and seeing how she's changing and becoming her own self. And here in the last month or so, she's really been enjoying me as a mom. And I'm like, finally, finally, we're <laughs> connecting yeah, it's and and it's it. What she's saying is very true. It's not just like, um, you know, sometimes um, we can have our own misconceptions or like our own, you know, the wrong ways we see things. And like, no, she was, she would adamantly choose her auntie or me, mm-hmm. and never ever Paige. Like, she would fall and get hurt, and she would run or past Paige around Paige to come. She go no. Yeah, and uh, it it was hard. It That's was very hurtful, hard watching man. It. Um, so for you, all of you guys who have kids that are really hard, that aren't connecting to you, I get it, and it is hurtful, and it is really hard. And I don't have a lot of answers by any means, but I'm with, there with you, beside you, and I'm here to say that it does get better. And try as hard as you can not to have bitterness and resentment against your child, against your two year old, which this sounds so stupid coming out. But like, man, that's your kid, right? Like it, it it's personal, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I, it has been so watching being a parent with Paige has been my favorite thing because it's always it's always fun, it's always interesting. I'm the queen of let's go somewhere and spend only fifteen dollars and make an entire adventure out of mm-hmm. it, and that's my favorite part of life, actually. And also, and like again, I'll come back with the, the communication aspect of things like there are times when like i will get really mad at the kids and Paige will have to rein me in oh uh, we do this a and, lot and then same thing with Paige. i'll be like hey 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 like let's like there have been times where i'm like dad dad we're we're gonna go take a walk like yeah we're like, not doing this we're right not now. doing this like like 
you need to cool down. You go take a walk or we're going to take a walk kind of thing. And, and there have been times when I'm like, babe, she was just asking this. Like, you snapped at her. And it's, it's like. It's been very helpful having you have my back in that in that regard and having that that team mentality. Of, yeah. And it's not like you're not coming down to me when you're like, we need to take a walk. You're like, you're seeing it from your, from a, from a level headedness. In a child's perspective. Yeah. And like being like, Hey, I don't want my kids to have stories of us chasing around each other with a two liter. <laughs> Unless we're spraying at each other. Which <laughs> <is really> <laughs> Mike was saying at dinner the other night that he wants to have a food fight. With our kids. Yeah, I want to go and get a bunch of those cupcakes and then just go outside. Expired cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so church life. I grew up in the church. I just always, and we married at Moody, so I just always assumed that we would have church life. Did What did you think church involvement would look like? Well, growing up, none. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, culturally, from a perspective, I thought it was this like... Um, you know, really close relationship with all the the important people at church, you know, like we would be like, because like we were loud and boisterous and like exciting, like we would be like, I thought very highly of us for a long time, especially because we were Weird. at Moody, you know, and like we were really heavily involved in the church when we first got married. Uh-huh. And so like, I always thought that would kind of be the, the same, you know. Before um, I moved to Tennessee? like Before this I moved is... to Tennessee, yeah. And then huh. we moved out here and it was actually really refreshing because instead of being like volunteering for everything and being heavily involved, like we got to be participants. Right. Which really, I mean, we, then we did the ministry by ourselves and that was tough. But. Yeah. But it really changed like, cause I remember, I mean, remember like we volunteered at church, we ran a very large, successful, small group, like, yeah. Children's I, ministry. I, in, I interned. Like, I mean, it was like we yeah. were, and then also like, you know, we were, we were, we were prominent in that movie. Oh, uh-uh, no, stop. <laughs> no, Gross. no, but like we had all those people we knew we were close to. And so, and then we moved away from all that. Um, but I think church life in general, like for a lot of people, it is a, especially when I was, when I was using, it was like, I don't want to be involved. I just want to attend. Right. Because involvement means transparency or people knowing me. Mm-hmm. And the more people, the more, the more, the more time I spend with people, the more they're going to know me, the more they get to know me, the more likely it is for them to see my faults. And that is dangerous. So let's just go on Sunday. Uh, you talk, I'll gather the kids. And by the time I gather the kids, it'll be time to leave. And no one will ever know me. Um and that's kind of how I, I functioned for a long time um, in and out of that because I would in and out of my addiction. Um, now. We fight over who has to take the kids so that the other dude, person can straight talk. up the other day, it was like two or three <laughs> weeks ago, I was like, hey. And I, I said it really snarky because it was, again, I didn't communicate it until it got to the point where I was like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> uh, Should have communicated it way before that. And I apologize that I was snarky. But I was like, hey, how about today? you go wrangle the kids and I can actually talk to my friends and not have to worry about our kids being the last kids picked up. And I do apologize to our church and the nursery staff and all of them. Our kids are always the last ones to be picked up. We're chatty. You're chatty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm chatty too, but I'm always one that's like, go I, and get If them. we're volunteering, I can pick them up. It's true. If we are. Um, yeah. 
What did you think it would be like? Well, I thought I'd be on staff at a church. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought we would have typical pastor's kids. Uh, when we started dating, Mike and I were both going to school to be pastors. And I very vividly remember being like, if I want to be a youth pastor and he wants to be like a small groups community pastor, the likelihood of both of us being on staff at a church is very slim Mm -hmm. to none. Very hard. Very slim to none because, yeah, that's just not how typically churches work. And I... I consciously made the decision that if I was going to marry Mike, then I was going to be okay with not pursuing vocational ministry. Mm. Um, And since since then, things have changed, and I can see that maybe we will both be on staff at a church sometime, or maybe one of us will be in ministry and the other one will work um, outside of the church. Mm. But um, I thought that you would be on staff at a church and that I would be the wrangling the kids and the pastor's wife and have the parties and the functions and co-running the ministry that you were doing and supporting you in that. Yeah. Um, that hasn't been the case yet, but I don't, I don't think that that won't all, um, won't ever be the case. Yeah. And now, and honestly, now that or I'm, vice versa, now that I'm sober, do you thought, I mean, I, I am more open to the idea of pursuing my calling in ministry. Right. Um, I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but also God has opened so many ministry opportunities, even through this podcast, which sounds so weird that to say so out weird. loud, but a lot of you guys will message us and, and a lot of you guys have also had your own addictions or issues spouses or, or, yeah, or just issues. And, and we talk about that. And it was funny. Paige was telling me somebody had messaged her and, and, and she was like, do people, do people, do people message you a lot? Cause she gets messages constantly. And I'm like... Not really. I mean, I'll get some. Like, actually, it's funny because I got one today mm-hmm. a- after we had this conversation. Um, but that TV interview we did, um, not to plug it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but the guy said on it, like Dean said on it, that he's like, you know, as far as addiction is concerned, like there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people out there who are struggling with addiction. And he's like, but then there's you, Paige, who there's even more of people in your shoes. And what he said is so true because like, you know, me, I'm, I'm the addict. Like I'm, I'm the one who is lying and who is struggling with the addiction. And then, and that in turn affects my wife, affects my kids, affects my in-laws, affects my parents. You know, right. Affects so for my every people. addict, there's like ten at pe- minimum 10, yeah, but people more who are affected by it. So there are, and then. You know, there's this core group of people who who love the addict and love the people who are struggling mm-hmm. with the addiction and the the torture of it, who have to deal with things on their own too. And so, like, it's crazy that this this random podcast we decided to do is is being so awesome to other people, and to see that it is ministering to people because it's ridiculous and awesome and one of the best things we've done. And like, I'll, it's so funny. Like, and I think I said this last time, but like, you know, I'll get these messages about like, man, congrats on your sobriety or like your transparency. So awesome. And like, you know, and like w- great. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Um, but seeing Paige minister to people through this, through the hell that I put her through 
and through the decisions she decided to make and that the Lord led her to make, like, Paige always tells me, like, I'm grateful you're doing the hard work. Thank you for doing the hard work for our family. And, like, in comparison, it pales to what the work that she is doing and has done. And she's she's frowning here. She's like, well, I don't know. I I don't know if I said it last week, but like in this story, Paige is the hero. I don't think that's true. I think it is true. We're going to argue, aren't we? (laughs) No, because I don't. I'm just joking. Like I am the forced hero. If I, I don't even love saying that. Um, because had you not been an addict, then I wouldn't, there wouldn't have been a need for a hero. Mm-hmm. But you're the hero in that you faced adversity and you rose above it and you, you changed the course of your life, thus changing the course of our lives. Um, See, I, would- I was a jerk. Well, no, I just did what the Lord told me to do and said no more. And that is why you're the hero. <laughs> No, no, because here's the thing is, yes, I decided to change the course for sure. You helped me do that, which I think speaks. And because like, not only did you help me, but you were the person who I hurt the most and you still helped me. That is what makes Paige the hero in this story. I think... I'm going to cry. That makes absolutely no sense without Jesus's love, mm. period. And I, with everything in my soul, I'm not anyone special. I'm not. And um, I was talking to a friend today, actually, about our podcast, and I, and she was saying that her daughter's listening to it and getting a lot out of it. And, um, and I was like... There is nothing, and I would love to tell all of you guys this, there is nothing that I have that is anything special that you can't also have. Mm. I don't know Holy Spirit any different than you guys. uh, I may know him in a different way, but it's obtainable for you guys as well. And it's not like... It's not a secret. It's not some level like, you, you know, I'm at a level seven, you'll get there. No, it's like, it's not, it's just... It's open and free. Yeah. And um, if I'm the hero, please let that be a mirror to Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. himself. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And that what you see is him because my God, he did this all. He did it. And I, it's easy to be humble about something that I, with every fiber of my being, know I did not do myself. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole of like things that I'm going to try to take credit for because it was the supernatural working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, and there was a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation. And there, there still is sometimes, um, even in your relapse, there's a there's the quiet, fearful prayers of God. You've got to tell me what to do right now. Mm, Let yeah. me be a mouthpiece. Um, and so, if your lives isn't if your life currently right now isn't facing hard times, if you're not struggling, my prayer would be, God, prepare me, because if we know anything about life, it's gonna come. Yeah, and help. 
my prayer would be, God, please help me to have the faith now and exercise that faith now so that when that time comes, I can know that I know that I know that I know that you are there with me holding my hand and we're going to walk through this fire together. And I want to add that, I mean, while we're on a roll, might as well be more butter. Um, there, there was a huge overarching waiting, weighty fear that um, my actions were eternal and mm. that there was no getting her back. There was no getting back a stable home for my children. There was no redemption in my marriage. Could there be redemption in our like friendship and like moving forward of like, well, I even told you, you like, I'm not going to be a jerk to you. We have to have these kids together. But But I said, you've stolen half the Christmases, half the Easter's. That crap crap hit hard, man. Uh, Which as it, yeah. And it wasn't Paige being like, I'm going to hurt him by saying these things. It was like, open your eyes to the realization of what, of what is actually going on here. And, uh, there was a fear of not, I didn't deserve grace from Paige. I lied to her and I stole happiness and life from her by doing all the things that I did. Um, and I say that because like Paige said, let anything that she example that she's been be a light to show you what Christ is like. And I, and there's a deep reality that people fear God and not in a healthy way. They, they fear approaching him because they're awful or like God is not going to show them grace and mercy and because they feel like they don't deserve it. And they're not willing to humble themselves before the Lord because, you know, they don't know him that well and they don't deserve it. And the reality is, is that's the beauty. That's the whole concept of grace and mercy is that mm-hmm. we don't deserve it. And I didn't deserve Paige. Anything that any grace or mercy she, she has shown me, I don't deserve it. Um, and, but she gave it. She gave it because she does. She loves me. And that's the same thing with Christ is that you, we, I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve his grace and his mercy, but he does love me. Mm. He loves me more than Paige ever could. And he gives it to me freely with no, with no red tape, with no bounds. And I don't, I just, I feel really led to say that because Paige showed me so much grace and mercy and I didn't deserve it. And that's something tangible that we can explain to people. People can see that. Well, he was an addict. He lied to her. And she forgave him and let him back in her life. And that same kind of grace and mercy on a much bigger level is available for people mm-hmm. through Jesus. Amen. Also, what we did was not a one-size-fits-all formula. Oh. You have to... Yeah. You have to walk through it hand in hand with the Holy Spirit and with uh, the wisdom from the Lord of what to do next. I know what worked for our family because it worked for our family, but you leaving your spouse may not be the best thing. 
you mm-hmm. have to walk through that with the Lord. Um, sometimes I'll get messages from people who are like, this is my situation. What's going on? Do you think my husband's actually an addict? And it's like, oh. I, <laughs> I can tell you that his behavior looks a lot like an addict. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that we can't control this for them. Mm. We are not their Holy Spirit. And and speaking on what she just said, we get a lot of people we don't know reaching out and asking these questions, which is great. We love it. Any kind of help we can be. I mean, that's that's one that's a beautiful part of of this life is that we get to use our our successes and our downfalls to help other people. Um. Guys, like, like you, you cannot be known too much. Mm. Like, you cannot be overly known. Like, there's never going to be a point in our lives where it's like, man, people know me too much. <laughs> like, it, it, it's impossible. And like, the, our our story is not a one size fits all kind of thing. But I will tell you what is a one size fits all is that the more people that know and that are invited to come along with you trustworthy people secret or sin loves secret secrecy like if if you're struggling with something or you feel like your husband is or your marriage is and you're like trying to put it together before you tell the world about it or before you reach out to your family or your friends or your church you're setting yourself up for failure because that that day is never going to come come on louder with that truth because i did that for years do not clean up before you tell other people you yeah. are literally setting up everyone for failure. Like that is that is your house is on fire and you're turning on your hose outside and being like, once the fire's out, then I'll call the fire department to come make sure it's all safe and good. Statistically, most of your marriages are struggling with pornography. Who are you guys talking to about mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Who yeah. are you? Are you okay with it? Because I guarantee you, your sex life's probably not okay because of it. Yeah, and that's a really bold statement. And I apologize if I have stepped on toes. That being said, what would, like, imagine with me for two minutes what freedom from that would look like in your life. And the first step to that freedom is telling other people and putting in that accountability, Mm -hmm. talking to Jesus about it. Because my gosh, he sees it and he sees the weight of it and he wants you to have freedom from it. The other day when I relapsed, the first thing I did was I told all my people. And it wasn't out of some, like, covenant I made with them. It, w- it was out of, like, I can't hide. Like, I, if everybody knows, I can't hide from it. Mm. And you know what? That is the first step to making it better. And, I, like, again, I'll say trustworthy people. Mm-hmm. People that you trust. Because some people don't need to know your business. But here's the thing is right. somebody's got to know. And in the middle of us being separated, and when I didn't know the answers to questions people were going to ask, there were 30 people that knew, mm-hmm. 50 maybe tops. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, but you need, you don't have to pay, post a sass about it on Facebook. I am an adulterer. Yeah. <laughs> or my, my, my wife's been cheating on me or hitting me or right. my husband's been looking at pornography and... But you do need to go to another couple, go to your pastor, go to your small group leader, go. And 
before any of this starts, let's start here. People are going to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go to someone and they're going to give you bad advice. Mm -hmm. Go to someone else. Mm -hmm. If it does not reflect Jesus himself, go to someone else. Extend grace that that person gave bad advice, isn't following Jesus, doesn't, did not handle it well, extend grace, give that straight back over to the Lord, <laughs> tell the Lord that you can't hold that, but He can, would He please hold it, and move on to someone who can here's, help. Here's a misconception that I had. I grew up with a porn addiction, I grew up with a substance addiction and a food addiction, and I grew up with anger, and I grew up with depression, and I hid all of that because they didn't know nobody else's business. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that would be the same way in my marriage. You know, it really only affects me that I look at porn. It really only affects me that I like to overeat. It really only affects me that I like to pop pills. It only really affects me that I'm super depressed. And then I got married. And every single one of those things affected my wife on a deep, deep level. If you find yourself in isolation, I would look around and and ask yourself, are there any lies that I am falling susceptible to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So big misconception, the stuff that you're hiding affects just me. Mm-hmm. That is a, that is a big mis that is, that is a misconception fully because mm-hmm. it affects those you love closest to you so much on top of the fact, even more so that it, that it affects the Lord, mm-hmm. not in how much he loves you, but it saddens him because he loves you. So mm-hmm. I, b- marriage misconception. My sin is just my sin. My sin and my issues are just my issue. Not the truth. Not the truth. This has been a really fun one. <laughs> well, friends, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> we love you guys. And maybe we don't say that enough, but we truly have enjoyed this community that has been born out of this. Um, we're no one special. We're not anything new, creative, whatever, but we truly have been through the worst fire of our lives and we are... Hopefully, please. Yeah. No so far. Our lives, so far. And we are extending our hands down to say, if you need, if you need a hand up, can we please help? Yeah. And there... There is no limit on how many people that we are willing to help and just say, listen, we've done it. <laughs> and we want to love you and point you to Jesus because he'll do it to you with you too. Thanks for joining us. This is Laugh So You Don't Cry. <laughs> <laughs>